It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Luke Inman, Superior Sports Talk. No Carl Anthony Towns for us today as Sam Ekstrom. He's on the <laughs> IR, but have no fear. We'll pick up the slack. We'll give some bench guys a crack at this starting five today. I'm just happy to be on a podcast with a, a Vikings writer who left the Vikings beat during a winning season. This doesn't happen every year, Arif. <laughs> Arif Hassan with Pro Football Network. You can credit me for finally lifting the Vikings curse, giving them an opportunity to win. I should leave more often. And I'm Luke Braun from Lockdown Vikings, and I absolutely agree with Arif there. <laughs> it's Minnesota football party. Run it. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota football party. And it starts now. Welcome to the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Luke Inman, host of Superior Sports Talk on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Okay, guys, Ekstrom is either doing one of two things right now. He's either found the corporate card again, he's probably halfway around the world, nice sandy beach, or he's just sitting in front of that you fireplace. of all people. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've been exposed. Yeah, I you being in Thailand. <laughs> I've been I, I can't believe someone would just leave the show without telling anyone and go travel internationally. Oh my God! Can you guys Who hear would me? Do that. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. No, Bangkok. Yeah. Yep, Bangkok. <laughs> no. He, okay, he's either halfway around the world or he's sitting in front of that damn fireplace in a rocking chair with a probably a little blankie, some hot cocoa, listening to Christmas music. Which one would you guess of the two? Because it's one or the other. There's no in between with him. Oh, I'd say the fire. He's an old man. He's an old soul. Be. I just yeah. don't, Luke, you know, you and I will jet set. We'll disrupt an entire podcast to go abroad. <laughs> Sam Ekstrom, he loves the, gets a little pipe out, a little, little tobacco. The cob pipe. Thinks about life. <laughs> Thinks about special teams. Yeah, it's, 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 enjoying it's Hallmark film. Side. Yeah. <laughs> where, where, would, where would Sam travel to? I feel like an exotic beach is like fifth or sixth on his list. I feel like he'd go somewhere where he could be nice and cozy. Maybe Banff, Canada, where... Yeah, it's cold, but it's beautiful. But you know, you get to be in a cabin, maybe his own fireplace in a cabin too. I don't know. Totally, I feel like that's where he go. <laughs> the the weird sightseeing things, like oh, uh, Idaho has the largest baked potato in the world, honey. Should we go road oh, trip? To yeah, Idaho and be see that or the that. the, oh the biggest yeah. ball like of the yarn is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, going, he's going to Dassel, Minnesota. You're saying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't All they right. also have like the giant uh, dinosaurs there too? Oh, do they? I did not know about the dinosaurs in South Dakota. That's, that's exciting. We'll have to ask Sam next yeah, time we'll he's on to, on we'll Monday ask. when he comes yeah, back. Yeah. Joined as usual by Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network Vikings Insider on Twitter, at Harif Hassan NFL. Next up, the kid you copied off in math class, Luke Braun. Check out Luke after every Vikings game on the Locked on Vikings podcast on Twitter, at Luke Braun NFL. And joined today by one of our favorites, Tommy Guns, a.k.a. Tom Schreier, co-founder of Zone Coverage on Twitter, at T Schreier 3. So, real quick story here before 
before we jump in, I bring the wife to the Wolves game last night for her B-Day. And I know, I know, you brought your wife to a basketball game for her birthday? Like, who's this really for? <laughs> I get it. But I'm sitting there and, and I scan the crowd. First, you got JJ and KJ Osborne courtside at the game. That was awesome. And then as I keep scanning, I get to the media section and who do I see? Tom Schreier clacking away on the MacBook Pro, leaning over, copying Marnie Gellner's notes over there. I just absolutely lost it. Tom Schreier. What'd you think of that game last night, Tom? It was it was fun. I was I was telling someone, so I think Dalvin Cook was there next to the Sasquatch. And he actually broke down how the right. Sasquatch, this is I'm trying to think it's Jack links. I think um, the guy keeps like coolers in there and stuff like this. Like Delvin cook was like, this dude has a passion. Like, like he had a full fledged conversation with, with, he had it with the Sasquatch. Um, he was obviously uh, Adam Thielen, local guy. He's been to a couple games. And then now you have KJ Osborne, Justin Jefferson. I had told someone, I was like, I hope the wolves are okay uh, in general, mm. but uh when these guys come, because you got to imagine, like, these are, you know, professional players taking time out of their day, and they, they watch this, and they're like, oh, this is what it looks like when you lose. But, um, but no, they saw an exciting game. John Rant booted. Uh, Dylan Brooks Ow. booted. Uh, Anthony Edwards goes off. Jalen Noel. Seven you technicals. Know, that's Seven. that guy. No, they're, yeah. they, 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 the refs, like, lost control of that game. But Jalen Noel mm -hmm. coming off the bench. Uh, my guy looking good. And uh, Wendell Moore Jr., first start. So, hey, for a team that's kind of in disarray, picks up a win over Memphis uh, in front of two superstar. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't yet, but I'll sure to go over to zone coverage, check out Tom's breakdown on the Wolves game last night and all their great Vikings coverage too. You can check it out on zonecoverage.com. I think we have Sam Ekstrom, some footage. I think he's trying to touch base with us. Matt, do you have any footage oh, no. from Sam? I'm back with more unhinged airport videos. <laughs> I was waiting for some inspiration oh on how to predict this game on Sunday. And then I got it. See this out the window? That is a white plane. What's the name of the Jets quarterback? Mike White? What's another name for a plane? A jet? That plane is at a standstill. It is grounded. It's not moving. The Jets aren't going to move the ball on Sunday. Mike White, he's out of fuel. Vikings, 1911. <laughs> Weird scores only. You had to pick 1911. In yeah. the history of the NFL, has there ever been 19 to 11 for a final score? Probably, but the point still stands. Sam, unbelievable. Before we jump into it, guys, remember, follow along Locked On Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button and on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at Locked On MIN. And remember, we're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it, we got it. Tons of great choices over there too. You got the Ron Johnson Show, Superior Sports Talk with Kara Levin's Reggie Wilson. It's your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Do us a favor, hit the subscribe button and drop us a five-star review. You can also now find us streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. Uh, speaking of YouTube, guys, every day I post a new poll up on the Locked On Minnesota YouTube community page. Yesterday, I asked fans which NFC opponent would you most prefer to see in round one of the playoffs? Four options, Bucks, Falcons, Commanders, Seahawks. Here were the results. 
This surprised me a little bit. Falcons run away with it. 69% of the votes. Commanders only 14%. That would have been my pick. Bucks 11%. Seahawks only 6%. Guys, just quick around the horn. Thoughts on the results. I know we briefly touched on this Monday, but which team would you like to see the Vikings face off against in round one? Tom, you're our guest today. Let's start with you. Yeah, I understand the, the Falcons on that one. Um, that's probably the right answer. I would say with the Commanders, that was a weird situation. That that playing surface is not like meant for football and professional. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I also think this team has figured out a little bit in terms of protection since then, right? That was the most encouraging thing in between the the four days, the the Dallas game and the Pats game. Um, I would assume if that is played on US Bank Stadium, which is a better surface, better stadium. Um, I was going to say in front of home crowd, although like. I think there were a lot of Vikings fans in Washington, but in a different setting with how this team's evolved, I don't think people should be worried about the commanders, Taylor Heineke, in the playoffs. Yeah. Arif or Luke, were you surprised at any of these results? And what's the dream scenario look like for the Vikes in your eyes in round one? Uh, I'm, I'm surprised to surprised. see Tom Brady not in last place here. Just yeah. because he's Tom, for the reputation of Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it on the last one, how like it's it's not the same Tom Brady. It's not what we're used to. Um, but in general, it's like the Falcons and then small margins of error for or small margins for everybody else. But yeah, it's clearly the answers of the Falcons. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, well, I, I think this tells us that we have a discerning audience, right? <laughs> that that uh, they understand that Tom Brady is not Tom Brady, that the Buccaneers have a losing record, and that uh, the Seahawks are probably a little bit more threatening. So um, I totally understand that. Um, I, I actually would also uh, take the Falcons over the Commanders. I mean, the Commanders have um, probably a better quarterback. Like, I know we've all been digging on Taylor Heineke, and fairly so, but it's not like Marcus Mariota is, like, like good, right? <laughs> like, let's not get ourselves... <laughs> Um, and the commanders just have a good defense. They just have a good uh, set of players on that side of the ball. And uh, I, I think that they can do a little bit more with the weapons that they have on offense. Like I take Terry McLaurin over Drake London, right? So um, I, I think that the commanders are a little bit of a better team. Both of them would be ideal matchups, right? But I think I would just rather play against the Falcons. Yeah, no, I was going to say I was leaning more commanders, but you do make a lot of good points, but already beat the commanders once. Like Tom said, think that game looks a lot different at home too, for the better. So remember, go check out the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube page every day, posting a new poll, hit the subscribe button, go leave us a comment, let us know what you think. Okay, today we're breaking down the Vikings and Jets, plus what the NFC North could look like in 2023. And of course, later, going to be joined by Ron Johnson from the Ron Johnson Show, who... Just had Hall of Fame legend Chris Carter on, by the way. Can't wait to chat with him about that. But let's start here, guys. Huge factor in every game, week to week, who's active, who's hurt. It's week 12, so every team across the league kind of feeling the pain to some degree. Vikings enjoy that double dip, though, not only winning Thanksgiving night, but then getting this little mini buy after the fact to rest up, which is nice. But anyways, we know about Andrew Booth by now. He's likely out the rest of the year. Meanwhile, Cam Dantzler set to miss hopefully his last game this week. Then you got Delvin Tomlinson. Sounded like he was almost a go for the Pats game. Vikings just in general, one of the better injury luck teams in the NFL top to bottom. So my question is, 
it's not so much which big name do they need back the most or who do you think plays, who doesn't. I want to know what you guys think about the players who have filled in thus far, the depth pieces, the backups, maybe even special teamers. Which non-starter at the beginning of the year do you think is filled in the most admirably? Like, which guys have just been most impressed with when they've been called upon? Arif, let's start with you. Is there a guy who, although maybe it's a small sample size, whether it's just filling in here or there, or maybe it's on special teams, that's just kind of stuck out to you when he's gotten a shot to play? Sure. I'll, I'll pick something that we know has been a problem area because they've mm -hmm. been playing, but I've nevertheless been impressed given what their expectations were, which is whoever's playing backup cornerback. I think that a Caleb Evans, mm -hmm. when he's been healthy, has been uh, very good. I think the miscommunication problems are, of course, an issue. Same issues with Cameron Dancer, but I think that, you know, he's moving pretty well for his size. Uh, he's got pretty decent instincts for where he needs to be against the ball. And then when he was out, you know, we saw Duke Shelley play. And, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a guy from somebody else's practice squad. I think that we expected him to get absolutely destroyed, and he didn't, right? He held up well, uh, especially on, on, a, on a couple of key snaps. So um, those players, I thought, impressed. They played better than I, I thought you'd get from, you know, what, what investment the Vikings made to get them, right? Um, but obviously, it'd be, it'd be nice to get Cameron Dancer back. Um, as soon as possible, which is not this this week, but like you said, is coming up sooner rather than later. So I'm going to pick those two players. I cheated a little bit. Hopefully, I didn't take uh, somebody's away from them. Or if Tommy, it's Luke, anybody, I hope I anybody left? <laughs> I was, was going to say, just commenting on what you said there, is like a Caleb Evans actually kind of looks like a guy. Now, again, I'm seeing this with unsophisticated eyes. Cameron Bynum's footwork or whatever blowing my mind and Reef obviously you know all the numbers and stuff but in a draft class where there hasn't been uh, a ton of success like this is a guy you want to succeed like he's he's friendly on Twitter I, it's a novel concept and um, really engaging with the fans seems genuinely like the person who he presents himself to be so I mean I think that's exciting I think getting away from specifically like injuries recently and just kind of depth guys I kind of like Johnny Munt. <laughs> like, I just do. He seems like a Munt. Yeah. He, he's a guy who <laughs> who can block, who, uh, who who can catch when called upon. He literally got the first play, and I think it was a design play of the season. It was a throw to Johnny Munt. So um, I think to have like that, that's what I think of it, like the security blanket tight end, right? Hawkinson's really dynamic. He's a hybrid you know, receiver. Having a guy like Munt who can – he did score in the red zone and, and can catch and, and offer something in the in the blocking game, especially now when they need that help. Um, I'm all about Johnny Buck. Yeah, that's a good one. Luke? I'll, I'll get out of the secondary, um, although I agree, like, the for the expectations of each of those players, except Andrew Booth, um, I think they've exceeded them. Um, but I'll go on the defensive line with, with Dalvin Tomlinson out. We've needed to see a lot from Jonathan Bullard, and James mm. Lynch is kind of a rotation. And those guys, well, again, like there was, there has been a drop off. They're not just going to like one for one replace Dalvin Tomlinson, but those guys have had their fair share of of playmaking on defense. In particular, James Lynch has done a lot more than I ever expected him to. He'll still get beat by doubles and stuff, but he's good for like two or three really cool run stops a game, and that's really fun. Um, and I think Jonathan Bullard has done a really good job of like holding up in his spots and keeping the spacing the way it's supposed to be kind of doing that defensive tackle dirty work. Um, so I guess uh, yeah, I'll, I'll shout out those guys. James Lynch has had a more interesting season than a good one. Uh, but I think Jonathan Bullard has genuinely been a, a quality player as a rotational starter and or 
backup, like full-time starter with Dalvin Tomlinson out. Uh, no, that's a good one. I thought he was just a veteran camp body. And for him to not only make the 53, but actually make a little bit of an impact here as a rotational yeah. guy, out it's Watts, been a pleasant surprise. Cut. I'll say, you know, given the circumstances, given the situation he was put in, I know not perfect. They've helped him out a lot with protections, double teams, etc. at times. But I'm digging Blake Brandle, the job he's done. Almost impossible shoes to fill coming in for Christian Derrissaw. Cowboys game kind of left him out on an island against Lawrence and Micah Parsons, which, I mean, that's just rude if you ask me. All things considering, yes, he gave up that one sack. Yes, they helped him out a lot. But we all know what a tough three-game stretch for any offensive lineman going from Von Miller, Cowboys pass rush, to the Pats front seven scheme and just the different looks they give you. And after all those years, we watched this offensive line shuffle so many guys in and out, trying to find different combinations of what works, what doesn't. To not only feel like we have this cemented starting five the entire year, but to have what I think is becoming a quality backup swing tackle behind them, it's been awfully nice to see. That's just my two cents. Taking a step back to the Jets, you don't go from bottom of the barrel to seven and four without a great offseason. Robert Sala turned this defense literally from worst to first, legit 32nd ranked defense in multiple categories last year, now PFF's number one ranked defense. I want to break down this draft class and which players fans can kind of watch out for Sunday. Because if you remember, everyone left that draft weekend handing out an A grade for the Jets. They said they had one of the top three halls. But so rarely when you look back do the grades actually match up with the production on the field, at least in year one. Not the case here. It's been pretty dang flawless. Sauce Gardner, not just good for a rookie, number one cornerback in the NFL. Number two on the list, by the way, Patrick Peterson, no big deal. Garrett Wilson, another Ohio State wide receiver. He looks the part on pace for over 1,000 yards. Brees Hall flashed before the injury. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, number three rookie pass rusher. Oh, and on the other side of him, Texas A&M's Michael Clemens, who's also a top three rookie pass rusher right now. And then Max Mitchell is currently starting at right tackle. So absolutely home run draft. I'll start with you, Arif. What do you remember about this draft haul for the Jets after that draft weekend? Did you like it as much as everyone else? Was there a favorite pick you had in there as far as maybe scheme fit or value goes? Just your quick assessment of what the Jets were able to do in last year's draft based off your consensus big board. Yeah, um, I, I know that, you know, my contestant's big board is a little bit more of a buzzkill compared to everybody, especially when you have like three first round picks, right? Like the whole point wow, of having three first round picks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it did, it did no. end up liking uh, the Jets. It just wasn't as high as everybody else. Like I thought, for example, the Jermaine Johnson pick, which they got 26th overall, he was the 11th overall on the consensus board. It, it really liked that hmm. pick, but overall, you know, it thought that the Jets got uh, value out of its picks. It liked the Brees Hall pick. Um, the Sauce Gardner pick, I think, was fit identically to value and positional need. Um, the, the thing with the Jets is that with their picks, I think outside of Michael Clemens, they did not have a reach in their top mm. 100. And, of course, the Michael Clemens pick has turned out for them. So it turns out they were right and the board was probably wrong. Um, but, you know, you take a look at that first round. You take a look at what the Jets did. Uh, it liked the Garrett Wilson pick a little bit. It thought that that was matching to value. Um, and it didn't have many steals, but it just did not have reaches, which sometimes is what you need to have a really good class. I mean, I think that reminds me of the 2017 Saints class, right, that didn't have any reaches. It had one steal. It was Michael Thomas. That turned out all right for them. Um, but uh, it, it didn't have many steals. It didn't have any reaches. And I think that that's kind of what we're getting out of this Jets class. The thing is, the players that, that the board liked, that the Jets liked, that everyone else liked, they're playing even better than we thought, right? I mean, Sauce Gardner is playing 
out of his mind. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that was really exciting about watching him play when we were breaking him down, you know, we got to see him a little bit in the college playoffs, is that he moved really well, right? You know, for like a 6'2 guy, he moved really well. Um, but in the NFL, and now you get to see him against all these other guys that have all these crazy movement skills, have been developing them for years, and he's continuing to he's continuing to stand out as this insanely fluid 6'2", 200-pound guy that has the ability to change direction, stop, start, win in transition, has the ability to recover. I mean, it's just so difficult to beat this guy. So um, by industry consensus, the Jets had a pretty decent draft. They should, right, given they had three first-round picks, but they nailed it. Do, do you remember, top of your head, who had the number one draft based off the consensus big board? I'm just curious. Well, let me let me pull it up. Uh, it was the Carolina Panthers, which, um, you know, mm, we'll see how that turns okay. out down the road. Yeah. <laughs> no, just curious. Yeah. The, the quarterback uh, uh, that they drafted was a big part of yeah. it, right? And that guy got injured. Mm-hmm. So uh, right. it's difficult right. to, to, to really get a, a hold on it. But it was like the Panthers and the Cardinals, a bunch of teams that are not good right now. And then the Chiefs. They love the Chiefs draft. Uh, Luke, there was a lot of speculation leading into the draft, whether the right pick for top wide receiver was Garrett Wilson or his teammate Chris Olave or even USC's Drake London. And at cornerback, remember all the debate was Sauce or Derek Stingley. Do you remember who you liked more out of those guys coming out? And if you're a Texas fan, I'm not sure how much Derek Stingley you've watched or know about. How are you feeling knowing not only you passed up on Sauce, but you went ahead and took another cornerback ahead of him in Derek Stingley? Because, like, no one's going to bat an eye if you need a quarterback, right? Because quarterback trumps everything. But to take a cornerback specifically over him seems wild now. But again, depending on who you talk to at the time, it was like a coin flip. There were definitely people that had, I think most people had sauce over him. But for mm-hmm. me, I had gone on Locked On NFL and I said, look, if I'm the Jaguars picking one overall, I'm slamming Sauce yeah, Gardner and I'm not looking right. back. Yeah. Um, and so so I had sauce there. In terms of the wide receivers, I, I was not really that high on any of them. Um, I was, turns out to be <laughs> wrong about Garrett Wilson, obviously. Um, but I like, love it. I think I had. <laughs> yeah, don't forget. The, I had don't forget I had these Olave nine other as a second on. round pick. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think Olave has done about Check what I thought he would, and I thought that's like a great like high second round pick because he's just kind of like a steady Eddie, and that's going to be great. Although I kind of it was more about ceiling with him. I don't. Know. Um, either way, I had Garrett Wilson was one of the only ones I would take in the first round if I remember my board right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he's he's taken off great. I hated Drake London. That was that's the one the take I'm gonna live and die by as, as we a lot on. of people did, right? The, 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 is, the knees, is this the like a separation slow. contested catch thing? Yeah. Like you gotta get separation, contested catch guys just don't happen to win unless you're DeAndre Hopkins. Exactly. It, it was, although yeah. I understand that like the quarterback was at fault for a lot of that stuff and was like throwing D backs back into the play. Um mm. but it was still more of it, yeah, but like kind of still. I, I feel like I for guess. some reason Jalen Strong has just and who's a third-round pick? Like, why would it be Jalen Strong? But Jalen Strong has just filtered through everybody's draft evaluations for receivers mm. for, like, the next five to seven years, right? Because he was this mm. insane contested catch catcher, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone was pretty high on him, except, I guess, the NFL. They didn't, you know, pick him in the first <laughs> or second round. Everyone was pretty high on him. He didn't turn out at all. And now every draft analyst just hates guys who can't separate. Great name drop. Yeah. Me, but yeah. 
Great, great throwback. Yeah, Treadwell, too, kind of in the same uh, category. So, Tom, yeah. when you stack up this Jets class next to the Vikings class side-by-side, side, mm -hmm. obviously it's tough to see. Kwesi's first two picks both end up on the IR. Ed Ingram, been up and down. Brian Asamoah, haven't seen much from, although showing some promise mm -hmm. on special teams, of course. If you're a Viking fan, especially one that gets into the draft, what's something you can lean your hat on from this class or any reason for any hope or optimism that this class, despite it not starting out fast, can still pan out when we revisit this thing three, four years down the road. Yeah, I think it starts with the perspective, right? If you're the Jets, you have to kind of make your team in the draft class, and that's what they did, and that's why they've been surprisingly good. With the Vikings, you're looking for supplements. Now it's unfortunate when you go, Christian Watson looked pretty good on this team, right? What mm. would Jordan Davis do? There was some opportunity cost with it, but Arif disagrees. I, I actually am glad Arif disagrees here. Uh, but I think I think naturally we think because of what Quasey does here where he's looking for value, you're going to think about the opportunity cost of who they didn't take, right? Who they moved out uh, for that slot. Um, having said that, I always go like, look at look at what's happened here. Like Louis Seen, that's a gruesome injury that happened overseas. Like that's... Um, it's got to be a weird thing where you, you play in London, the whole team goes back and you're out there being treated in a different country. And, and um, you know, the, the booth one's unfortunate because you kind of need them, right? You needed that supplement. It, it hasn't happened yet. Um, I guess you look to like a Caleb Evans, right? Like, hey, mm -hmm. what have you brought in this guy who has to add something to the locker room, clearly engages fans, is giving you something to look at. But I, I think it's just trying to remember that this was supposed to supplement what they what they believed was a winning core right if they didn't they would have burned it down um it has not gone perfectly but it still doesn't mean that this group can't supplement the vikings two three years down the road yeah yeah to your point i mean small sample size that caleb evans looks like a hit given where he was drafted and if you can get even just one of either seen or booth to play up to the level they were drafted at that's two guys that can inject some you know much needed youth into this secondary for the next handful of years for sure and we said this after the draft too and we're saying it now between bynum and harry not sure you need to rush scene back anytime early in the season in 2023 and meanwhile asamo too i think just kind of drew the short straw and being stuck behind two veterans in this brand new defense i'm still not sure that's any deck to his play or the fact he maybe wouldn't be starting on another team at this point in the year had he been drafted somewhere else but just real quick as we wrap this up to Luke's point too it won't be long till we see some 2022 redraft articles it's going to be crazy to think that Sauce Gardner probably would have gone number one overall in some of those drafts looking back as good as you know Aiden Hutchinson's been good Trevon Walker's been okay you know but Sauce Gardner's just been hands down that much better than everybody else speaking of talking about the games within the games here we're going to get one of the juiciest matchups we'll see all year Justin Jefferson lines up across Sauce Gardner strong case to be made the number one cover corner versus the number one wideout in the league what do you love about this matchup or expect to see between these two and if you're either opposing team like how do you attack the opponent like where's the one weakness or vulnerability either player is susceptible to if at all Tom I'll start with you yeah, I mean, I think about it this way. I was a little concerned that going back to the Pats game, O'Connell had been drafted by Belichick, had played under him, clearly like admires him. He keeps his notes from when uh, when he was there and Belichick unceremoniously cut him in 09 a year after taking him in the third round. I was a little worried he was going to go, I'm going to see Jefferson. I'm going to try to beat him with dealing with KJ with Cook. Instead, he schemed, you know, he did some scheming and Justin Jefferson just made some impressive plays and was able to beat the Belichick system or concept, right? This is a little different situation where it's kind of a one-on-one -on -one matchup. We're focused on 
Gardner, this amazing rookie against Jefferson, who's trying to tear the league apart. Um, but I think, you know, it, somehow Justin Jefferson finds a way. We found that out in Buffalo, right, with that catch. We saw it against the Patriots where Cousins said he threw, it was a north-south route, and he threw in a double coverage because it was east-west. Still, for Justin Jefferson, kind of almost effortlessly make a catch there um, was incredible. The fact that Cousins almost threw him into, I think it was a linebacker near the end zone, and Justin Jefferson just bounces off of him and scores or whatever. I think I expect him to continue to find a way. I think Patrick Peterson said his body lies to you. He's a great route runner. He kind of throws guys off. I think he'll have a little fun with the rookie. Having said that, I love this challenge because you know Sauce Gardner wants to make a statement here. I shut down Justin Jefferson. I'm one of the best corners in the league. Yeah, he's already shut down a lot of big names, but shutting down JJ, that'd be a huge resume booster for sure. Good points there. Arif, what exactly does having a pure shutdown cover corner do for a defense like Robert Sala has right now? Like when you watch some of this Jets defense, what's he able to do schematically that maybe other coordinators just can't get away with because he knows he can leave him out there on an island for key critical parts of the game? Yeah, I mean, who knows this better than Jets fans? When they had Darrell Revis, they were able to yeah. actually just play with a pure shutdown corner. Or, you know, even the Seahawks, even though they played sides, you know, were able to to make sure that teams would even uh, occasionally never throw Richard Sherman's way, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers uh, never threw, uh, you know, Richard Sherman's way at the height of, of, of their play. And what that allowed them to do is play 10-on-10 football. And when you play 10-on-10 football with a narrower field, that just helps the defense. There's fewer people you have to account for. There's fewer opportunities for somebody to make a mistake when they're blocking. There's just fewer problems that the defense has to encounter when it is 10-on-10 versus 11-on-11. You have the ability to create a little bit more. You have the ability to choose different types of matchups. You have the ability to blitz a little bit more. You can do all kinds of things that you wouldn't be able to do if you had to give a little bit more attention um, to, to one area of the field if you had to bring your safety over. Now, if your safety only has to cover from hash mark to the middle of the field, it's so much easier to close down on routes. It's so much easier to, uh, to, to get down into the box. It's so much easier to not have to cover the entire range that you normally have to cover and, and trigger in directions that you need to trigger if you want to stop the run or if you want to you know, nail a crosser, right? So um, the ability to kind of take a player out of the game, right, especially if it's their best player, right, uh, eliminates what an offensive game plan is designed to do because all offenses are built as if they have 11 players, obviously, right? And if you get rid of their ability to use all 53 and a half, uh, you know, yards width of the field, uh, and you get rid of their ability to use five eligible receivers, they only have four, um, it is really difficult for you to design an offense and execute an offense outside of basically running the ball that, um, you know, kind of fits what your game plan is going to be. So it, it provides an enormous benefit. Yeah, really good breakdown there. In this weird way, actually reminds me a lot of what Christian Derrissaw has done with the Vikings protection. Honestly, the way they leave them out there one-on-one, yeah. -on -one, it just allows everyone else more opportunities to double-team, etc., and just makes everyone around him that much better. Um, Luke, thoughts on this matchup, JJ versus Sauce. If you're KOC, do you still force-feed JJ, get the Randy ratio going, or instead, do you expect him to use more as a decoy at times? Or is there another one-on-one -on -one matchup you're just really excited for when you get into the X's and O's of this game. So if the Vikings want to, they can avoid this matchup entirely. And, and from a TV perspective, that would be a bummer. But the Jets <laughs> don't shadow with Sauce Gardner because they feel so good about DJ Reed on the other side. They feel good about Michael Carter in the nickel. So they just like play mostly sides. They played field boundary once, and that was against the Bills. Stefan Diggs mm -hmm. got 93 yards. But they didn't shadow Jamar Chase. They didn't shadow... 
either the Dolphins receivers, like they didn't shadow with with Sauce Gardner at all. So if you wanted to just have Justin Jefferson live in the slot all day, go up against Michael Carter, or if you wanted to motion him around and try to get him at linebackers, do your own thing, you can absolutely do that. Um, so uh, this matchup will probably end up happening at some, some uh, but from my understanding of the Jets, that's just not how they play it. But like that Jamar Chase game where they didn't shadow him with Sauce Gardner, six catches, mm-hmm. 26 yards. Um, well, you bring up a great point there. He's got five for 93 the one time they went away from it. So wh- whatever they're doing, they're able to shut down these these good wide receivers, but they're not doing it by just having Sauce follow guys around, uh, uh, around the field. Um, maybe they could, maybe they should, but hard for me to uh, question what's going on on that defense. That just leads me to ask uh, you or Arif, uh, DJ Reed, has he been that good this year then, huh? He's been pretty he's solid. He's been great. Wow. Yeah, no, he's yeah. been fantastic. That's you know, if like, I were to um, test a matchup, it'd be Michael Carter. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is uh, again to go back to the Darrell Revis. It's like when Darrell Revis had Antonio Cromartie, right? Like oh, DJ wow. Reed is playing extremely right. well. He's playing at a level that I think a lot of cornerback ones would strive to play at. I mean, I mean the Jets defense. The thing is, if you take a look at, for example, the Patriots defense, which were like number one in points before the Vikings played them, right? The thing about the Patriots defense is they got most of their uh, good games out of being able to shut down one-dimensional teams, teams that could run the ball, but they didn't have a quarterback that could run or a receiver that you really needed to cover because of that quarterback situation, right? So they were able to shut DeAndre Swift and the Lions. They were able to shut down you know, Brees Hall and the Jets. They were able to shut down uh, you know, Nick Chubb and the Browns, who do uh, who do have Amari Cooper, but they just couldn't get the ball to him, right? Um, they were able to shut down a lot of these one-dimensional teams, but they weren't able to shut down multi-dimensional teams like the Vikings, who had Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. The Jets are shutting down teams that have multiple threats, right? That can run the ball, that can pass the ball, that can pass the ball to multiple receivers. Part of the reason they can do that is because DJ Reed is playing at an extremely high level. I think that the Jets' defense presents a bigger problem for the Vikings than the Patriots' defense does. As we bring in Ron Johnson from the Ron Johnson Show, the local legend. Ron, I'm not going to lie, man. Pat McAfee one day, you had Chris Carter on this week. You're doing fashion shows on the weekend. Has Hollywood <laughs> called yet, man? I could see you playing the next big Marvel spinoff character because you're you're big time, bro. I mean, like, what's your agent saying nowadays? Where were we at? Uh, I'm still here, man. Just uh, loving this Minnesota weather. Uh, yeah, you know, and I got the chance to interview uh, – TJ Hawkinson and David Blau last night for the Audible, oh, cool. uh, sponsored by 3M with the Vikings. So sat down with those guys for about an hour, and it was uh, it's very eye-opening. I love David Blau's uh, openness to explain the third quarterback and what his role is. And he's enjoyed it. He's, he's growing in it. But he's been a huge help being a former Lion with TJ Hawkinson. Um, and I think people don't understand how important that relationship was where David had been with the Lions for four, I think three or four years. And then now with the Vikings. And so then, you know, TJ Hawkinson comes, you have a guy that can explain the same verbiage. So like, Hey, when we call X out, Y, whatever, this is what it actually means in Vikings terms, so on and so forth. And uh, all, all week, like for like two, three weeks, I was saying TJ Hawkinson, should be tagged in routes and he actually confirmed last night because like i gotta ask he's like i didn't want them to have to tag me he's like i wanted to get into the playbook i wanted to know the concepts i wanted to know the routes because i didn't want them to feel like they needed to tag me in order for me to be a big part of this offense so i mean that just shows how dedicated he was you know when he flipped that switch and uh yeah no it's been it was a cool night so that was been and chris carter man he did not disappoint as well uh huge uh, go check it out if you haven't seen the pod with Chris Carter, but just 
huge nuggets here and there, man, about who's the best receiver in Vikings history. Uh, where does he see Adam Thielen fit in Vikings history? Because everybody seems to forget Adam Thielen is still top five in Vikings history right now. So there's there's a lot of little nuggets Chris Carter dropped, but always love, you know, the off the field stuff more so than on camera stuff with Chris has always been great for me because, you know, going to Larry Fitzgerald's house a couple of times and Chris was over there and just sitting down and just just chopping it up like he's always been a legit guy. And so I uh, was happy to have him on the show. Yeah, really cool stuff. Again, if you haven't checked it out already, go check it out up on the uh, Locked On Minnesota YouTube page. Uh, let me stick with Chris Carter here, man, because I watched that whole interview. It was outstanding start to finish. What was your number one takeaway from hearing him speak that just stuck out with you the most? And when you think about his story, right, fourth-round pick in Philly, obviously doesn't work out there, comes to Minnesota, just goes off. Is there a guy from this current era, you know, maybe the last decade or so, that just reminds you of that same story where sometimes just finding the right change of scenery is what's needed most to really catapult that player's career. Oh, man, that's tough. Like, Stefan Diggs, I kind of feel like that yeah. because I'm not saying yeah. he was already great here, uh, but he's on a different plane, you know, right now. And then another one that kind of came to mind, too, was Tariq Hill. Like, you know, a guy that mm -hmm. was really, really good for the Chiefs, but mm -hmm. now, you know, him and Justin Jefferson neck and neck for the top receiver. I don't think Tyreek ever was considered the top receiver. Uh, and so just in this Dolphins offense, but who knows, you know, a lot of times, and Chris Carter brought this up, look at Cooper Cup and what he did. And then all of a sudden now look at him now. Injury, definitely a part of it. But, you know, because we were joking about the uh, Jerry Rice deal and 22,000 yards and, you know, Chris Carter, 15,000 yards. And he was like, you know, I'll let you watch the pod to figure out what he said about Jerry. But what he said about himself is like when you think about that 15,000 yards for a receiver to play 10 years in the NFL would have to have 1,500 yards every season and not get hurt. You know, like that's what's mm. even crazier to think about Chris is because 12, 13, 14-year receivers, I don't know if we're going to see any of those for a while uh, with injuries and this turf and all this stuff. Uh, but, but you know, Chris kind of brought that up. Like when you think about, you know, 17,000 yards with Larry Fitzgerald, if you're a 10 year guy, which is great, you know, a guy like Adam Thielen, you got to have 1,700 yards every season. Like, mm -hmm. that's what's amazing about what those three have done when you look at Chris Carter, Larry Fitzgerald, Terrell Owens, Jerry Rice. Like, it, it, it's going to be far and few between. And so I, I look at a guy like Tariq Hill, though, that, you know, I don't know how long he'll play. We'll see what the Dolphins do. And then Stefan Diggs clearly has found home with Josh Allen, but uh, it's always going to come down to money. Like, Josh mm -hmm. Allen just got paid. Stephon Diggs is getting paid. Does Steph want another contract? You know, is he going to ride this one out? You just never know. Around the horn clockwise, Tom, go ahead whenever you're ready. Yeah, I think like Zach Wilson's last press conference before he got benched, one of the last questions, someone said, did you leave, let the defense down? And it was so evident that he had. Like this Jets defense is fantastic. He's the, the quarterback, supposed to be the quarterback of the future. Typically players will be – you know, kind of go long form talking about their teammates and, and what the other side of the ball does. If a quarterback lacks responsibility, with the, which is kind of how I read that, what would that do to the rest of the locker room? Uh, who? So I think honestly, so the one you have to remember, Zach Wilson is young, and even though he dates old chicks, uh, he's still young. Like <laughs> the women, the women. <laughs> Like, like, <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just saying. Like the slump busters, the slump busters that he hangs out with are not going to make him more mature. And so, 
<laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those. It's one of those things. So you have to you have to understand that. So Zach Wilson, um, it, he 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 made a mistake. Like let's be real. Like he in that moment he was extremely frustrated. He was probably tired. He was annoyed probably with the questions. We don't know at what point that question was asked um, because we've seen many athletes walk away from a table after the tenth question. Uh, we've seen many athletes you know, dodge a question or just give you a no or yes after the 10th question, you know, so we don't really know where that fell in the scope of the answer. Um, but but yes, you, you as a quarterback, you should always be well-spoken. You should be well-versed with the media. Every player should, but the quarterback has to be the tip of the spear. And so the quarterback gets all the credit for the wins and he gets all the blame for the losses. And I think that's the reason why they get paid so much money. That's the reason why they're so highly favored. That's the reason why Everybody wants to hang out with the quarterback when you have events like that. It is what it is. Like it comes with the territory. And like Superman said, like Spider-Man said, every great, you know, superhero has said with, with great responsibility, you know, with great power comes great, you know, Matt, um, great responsibility. So he has great power. So he has a great, he has a huge responsibility. He has to take all that. And, and I think for him, he's going to learn, but for a locker room, to be honest, um, I don't know if press conferences are going to matter. I don't know if press conferences are going to do anything with players. What I will say, though, is it matters after the fact. He did apologize to the team in the team meeting, I heard. Uh, he has, you know, taken the steps to say, you know what, I do realize where I made the mistake. His problem is Mike White just blew out the Bears, not without Justin Fields. So he has a bigger issue to deal with that, like, if Mike White comes into this building Sunday and has a decent game, uh, even makes it close, how do you go back to Zach Wilson? Like, because the team seemed to have rallied around him. Granted, it was against an awful Bears team without their number one quarterback and a number one rushing offense. But, yeah, that's that's going to be tough for Salah to have to figure out because if the Vikings lose to the Jets with Mike White, I mean, can you really bring Zach Wilson back in at that point if they're eight and four and you have a chance to really, you know, maybe continue to win and get into the playoffs and, and actually be a, a decent seed? So, yeah, that's tough for Zach Wilson, but he just has to do what he did. I think he apologized as a locker room. Hey, if you apologize, man, let's move on. But in the back of my head, I'm always remember like, hey, okay, I get you, I got you. Mm. Yeah, good point, Luke. So, I, I want to talk more about Chris Carter because that's my hero growing up. Um, so great and Hall of Famer, unbelievable career. You could list his accolades for hours. Mm. Um, Jefferson on a pace to have that same kind of impact on this organization. So I guess my question is, if, if Justin Jefferson keeps doing what he's doing for some amount of years, there would come a time where Vikings fans see him ascend beyond Chris Carter in like the halls of Vikings legend. So my question is, how many years do you think that would take? Put a number on how long Justin Jefferson has to keep this up before we think of him as higher than Chris Carter in the, the halls of Vikings mm -hmm. wide receiver fame. I mean, you got to say 14,000 yards. Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. Chris Carter, what, 13,000 yards? So you got to say 14,000 yards. I mean, and that's why when I preface that question to him, I know what people think. You can't put a number or a ranking on a person until their career is done. Because Stefan Diggs, after the Minneapolis Miracle, after the $72 million contract, everybody started to do that with him. Like, he, oh, he's he's going to be the best Vikings in, in, you know, receiver in Vikings history. And, oh, man, this team has a, you know, I can't believe we got Stephon Diggs in, in, a, in the late rounds and blah, blah. And, and now, look, we don't even talk about Stephon Diggs anymore when it comes to Vikings history. So that's why you can't really quantify until he's done. Like, he, he might 
have, and, and I would never do this, knock on wood, um, he might have three or four injury-ridden, riddled seasons. Like, you just really don't know. So, you know, health-wise, if he's healthy, if he does play 10 years as a Viking, yeah, I think he'll get it because he's going to be a 14, 15, 1,600-yard receiver every year, I think, if Kirk Cousins at least sticks around for the next couple years. And then Ethan Calais Manis gets drafted to the Vikings in the first round or second round once he's ready in three or four years. So I, I think that's the plan. Keep Kirk for three years, draft Ethan Calais Manis. Justin Jefferson is still here. Then that can make it great. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, I do want to return back to the Jets game because I wanted your perspective on, I think, the the dominant question that we've had throughout the entire podcast, which is, you know, Justin Jefferson versus Sauce Gardner. Now, Luke mentioned that that's not always yep. going to happen. The Vikings get the ability to kind of pick their matchup, but it is going to happen sometimes. And when you see mm -hmm. kind of a rookie corner playing this well, it feels like there are probably some opportunities, but it's going to be difficult to find them because there's just not that much film, the things that they're not great at. So what is it that you as a receiver do when you know you've kind of got this lockdown matchup ahead of you and you know that, you know, physically they've got basically every skill uh, that you can imagine? Yeah, I even asked TJ Hawkinson that question because, you know, Sauce will line up on the tight end. Like if you put TJ out wide, they're going to leave Sauce out there on him. Um, and he kind of talked about what he thought he could do against Sauce Gardner as well as whoever else lines up against him if they line him up wide. Um, when I look at Sauce Gardner, one, he's from a high school, Detroit Martin Luther King High School in Detroit. That's my guy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him Sunday. I was texting his coach and then I'm texting, I'm going to wait and text him probably Friday, Saturday when he's more relaxed and not built into this game plan because I know how it gets. Um, but I'm looking forward to running into him on Sunday. And this is what I say about Sauce Gardner versus Justin Jefferson. It's one of those matchups that, you know, this is not Deion Sanders versus, you know, Jerry Rice. This is not, you know, Terrell Owens versus Chris McAllister or, or, or Champ Bailey, you know, like, you're, you're not going to get what you want out of this uh, for the simple fact of Justin Jefferson lines up in the backfield. He lines up everywhere. So, like, Jerry Rice did not go in the backfield. Jerry Rice barely went in the slide. You know, Terrell Owens never went in the backfield, never did jet sweeps. So, Justin Jefferson is a different kind of receiver, and Sauce Gardner is a, is a prototypical, you know, corner that, like, I, I, I have to go back to, like, Mel Blunt. You know, you go back to 1978, mm. Mel Blunt, wow. Super Bowl, opposite my dad. Like, that's what Sauce Gardner is. And I, and I did text my uncle, uh, and I said, hey, man, when you look at this kid from Detroit, Sauce Gardner, uh, what is it that a long cornerback like that can give a guy, you know, not just Justin Jefferson, but any receiver trouble? And he said the arms. Like, his arm length is what gives him a difference where he can jam and a receiver can't reach out and do that tug and pull. He can jam, and when you reach, you're just hitting – you're hitting, like, bicep. You're not hitting shoulder pads. So a guy like that can really – and he has good feet. He's fast. He's athletic. He can catch the football. Um, and it, and he's raw. Like, I told David Blau that. I said, man, South Gardner didn't even play high school football start until his senior year. So when you think about that, you know, he really has not grown into what he can really be. Like, Luke Fickle got him and kind of, you know, made him who he was. But this is a kid that his ceiling is still not even – you can't see it yet. You know, like, it, it's like Lil Wayne. There's no ceiling. Like, I don't know if for those that don't know, go go, go listen to the mixtape. But, you know, that's that's, that's what I feel like with, with Sauce Gardner. Like, it, it's like listening to Lil Wayne. There's there's no ceiling. Like, you just can't see it because you don't know what he can be. And, and again – 
for those that don't know Mel Blunt, man, go Google that 1978 film if you can find it. Like every time I would see my dad's highlights, man, I would watch Mel Blunt. And, and, and he's a lot more physical than, than Sauce, but and that's because the game has changed. But man, a long cornerback can alleviate a lot of issues. Like if you're beat by a yard, you have that extra length of arm and, and leg to jump and create that. Not, and that's why I, I'm excited to see Caleb Evans, because I think he's similar. When you're a long corner, you can eliminate getting beat when you're a yard behind because your arm length and your wingspan can actually help you out where you don't have to grab and pull. You can just stick that arm out and then play the receiver's hands. So, yeah, so I don't know. Like the sauce, JJ, we're going to watch it, but I don't think we're going to get a ton of it. I love it. Ron Johnson on Twitter, at 3RonJohnson. Check him out every day on the Ron Johnson Show, part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. If you haven't already, you got to go check out Ron's latest interview with Vikings legend and Hall of Fame wide receiver Chris Carter. Absolute must-watch. Ron, I got to check out this TJ Hawkinson, David Blau sit-down, too. Where can we find that here, too, when it comes out? Uh, well, K-Fan, I think, runs it, like, on their radio station on Friday, mm -hmm. Saturday. Uh, I know we're going to mention it Friday. I'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings tomorrow in Chanhassen uh, for the, the fan feast or whatever. So mm -hmm. I know we're going to talk about it there. But then the Viking socials, they will release it on all their social platforms. Uh, and it's just a long-format interview. You know, it, it was really cool to kind of, you know, hear. And David Blau and I, it actually worked out. Because uh, the reason why is because my wife went to the Olympics in 2008. His wife went to the Olympics in 2021. So he and I actually stayed after, which was, you know, I always tell guys like, man, I'm on your time. I'll follow you. So I kind of walked him back to the locker room. I was like, look, I, you know, I don't want to keep you. And he was like, no, man, I want to, I want to hear more about your kids. I want to hear more, you know, about your wife going to the cool. Olympics because you've been here. You're, you're, you've been where I'm at. And uh, I loved it. Like he, he, he was like bought into like, listening and, and talking and so we actually chatted for a good 30 40 minutes just about life like you know him and his wife her olympic journey because uh, he wasn't able to go to tokyo but i was able to go to beijing because tony dungy mm. allowed me to leave for a couple weeks and go down to beijing in the middle of training camp so you know we, we talked about all that stuff man so it, it'll be out uh yeah probably tomorrow i guess i don't really know when they edit it to be honest but my guess is it'll come out tomorrow sometime uh, but no, I'm looking forward to it. I know this week too, coming up on the pod, we got Tank Williams, former Vikings uh, DB. He's going to join us, I think, Monday night. So we'll we'll launch that Tuesday. But we'll have Tank Williams to kind of break down uh, where the Vikings can go. Looking to get a, a Detroit person, so maybe Braylon Edwards, uh, maybe Lomas Brown, because I know Lomas Brown is a big Detroit guy too, and and he used to live like, or not used to, he still lives there. My dad passed away, but he lived a couple houses down from my dad. Uh, which is weird. Not say weird, but it was interesting. I was I was actually laying on the ground crying uh, when you know I find, you know when I got to my dad's house and I look up and like Lomas Brown is just walking down the street, you know, coming to check because he he always would check on my dad anyway because they played in the same era, and uh, you know just a cool moment we shared uh, where a lot of that stuff I haven't really bought out, man. Like I'm 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 just grieving and getting over it. So I am going to start launching more pictures because I I just went through my phone. Uh, and I have pictures with like Mel Blunt, Franco Harris, Donnie Shell, uh, you know, Fr Frenchie Fuqua, you know, uh, Frenchie Fuqua and Franco were both at my dad's funeral, were part of the Immaculate Reception. So being able to hear them talk about the Immaculate Reception, you know, is even crazier to think like these two guys are in NFL history and only those two guys know the answer to if he touched the ball or not. So all that little stuff, man, like it turned a funeral into like a real celebration uh so no so no it's uh so i'm looking forward to that but yeah no check it out friday or saturday i'm pretty sure the vikings are going to launch it but k fan will have it running this weekend as well on k fan 
Man, that's incredible stuff, Ron. You're absolutely killing it. McAfee, Chris Carter, Randall McDaniel, Tank Williams sounds like coming on here soon. TJ Hawkinson, David Blau. Again, check them out every day. Ron Johnson Show, part of the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. Ron, pleasure as always. I'll talk to you tomorrow on the roundtable, all right? Yep, appreciate it. All right, sounds good. Sounds Ron Johnson, Gophers Hall of Fame wide receiver, Ron Johnson. Absolutely incredible stuff. I love to hear those little tidbits and like side conversations that we never hear about, like the conversations David Blau getting TJ Hawkinson up to speed and things like that when he got here. Just really cool to hear that kind of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, funny. They started with a joke, joke about Zach Wilson, and by the end, I had to like gather myself <laughs> yeah. with a very heartfelt, yeah, yeah, kind of sharing about his life. I was like, what a whirlwind of emotions that was. It's called get the whole spectrum um, with Ron. Yeah, he's got range. He's got range. Yeah. You, you get your money's worth with Ron, I'll tell you that. All right, two things left, guys. I'm going to ask you about the NFC North forecast in the not-so-distant future, and then we got to rifle through our gambling picks. But first, Vikings favored by three versus the Jets, over-under opened at 43, moved up to 44.5 now. Meanwhile, Justin Jefferson's odds continue to increase for Offensive Player of the Year. Make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with BetOnline. BetOnline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, info, you want it, they got it. NFL, NHL, NBA, even MMA and UFC. BetOnline makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to BetOnline.net today to learn more. That's BetOnline.net where the game starts. And remember, when you subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron, they're talking football every day in the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives you a sports anchor's perspective on superior sports talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Lockdown Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast. Drop us a five-star review or find our videos on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel and find all our daily shows for free at your fingertips any day, anytime. All right, guys, I want to look at the landscape of the NFC North here real quick because it's been a long time since we've gone into a season where the general consensus didn't have the Packers at the top, the Vikings kind of nipping at their heels, will they or won't they, and the Lions and the Bears at the bottom. But all of a sudden, it kind of feels like a new era is slowly starting here. The Packers are in a mess now because it's very likely they can't go into next season with both Rodgers and Love again for the fifth straight year. Rodgers, nearly $100 million in dead cap next year. He looks old, and I'm not sure how much longer he even wants to really keep playing. Meanwhile, Jordan Love has to either be offered that fifth-year option or he walks. And as far as the Vikings go, as fun as this year has been and, and as magical of a ride this has been, when you look at the core of their team, you see a lot of aging vets creeping up there in age. Harry, Kendricks, Zadarius, Pat P, Adam Thielen, heck, even Kirk Cousins, not a young buck anymore. Dalvin Tomlinson, Daniil Hunter, not spring chickens anymore. Jordan Hicks, what is he, 30, 31? It just feels like it won't be long until the majority of those guys are on their way out and the Vikings will be in rebuild mode before you know it. So tells me two things. One, if, in fact, they do want to go on a Super Bowl run, it probably needs to happen pretty quickly. We're talking this year and next year, 
maybe 2024. And second, when I look at the Vikings' past two, three draft, outside of JJ and Derisaw, Ezra Cleveland, maybe Cam Bynum, Cam Dantzler, they haven't added a lot of blue chip, just core foundational pieces to build upon in the last three years. And of course, there's guys like Brian O'Neill that was drafted in 2018. And then, I mean, you can get in the second and third tier guys, Ken A, Osborne, Wanham, but I'm talking foundational pieces you build around. And then to top it all off, when you look at the Bears and Lions, if they can crush next year's draft, like have a, a what the Jets did or the Seahawks did, those teams are primed for takeoff. I mean, the Bears, they got their franchise quarterback, they think. He just needs some help around them. The Lions, ton of talent emerging between their offensive line, Jeff Okuda, Aiden Hutchinson, haven't seen what Jameis Williams can do yet, Amon Ross St. Brown. We're talking serious talent that's young and is going to be around for a while. And if the draft were today, Bears would have the second overall pick. Lions would have the third, 13th, 44th, and 62nd. Plus their third rounder, you're talking about five more top 75 players, including a quote-unquote probably blue chip top five pick that they got from the Rams of all teams. Um, are you guys seeing what I'm seeing? Like, am I crazy conspiracy theory guy? Birds aren't real. The government controls them. They're spies. Hollywood's <laughs> run by lizard people. Like, where do you guys envision this division heading over the next few years. And Arif, I'll start with you. What can you tell us about the Rodgers contract situation, what their realistic options are at quarterback next year? Yeah, sure. Uh, I talked about this a little bit on uh, the Pro Football Network show with Trey Wingo last night. And one thing that we kind of discussed was, you know, the fact that they should just play Jordan Love right now. I know that they've got a commitment to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has relationships with people uh, above LaFleur, right? He's got a relationship with President Mark Murphy and the front office of Gutekunst, and so it's going to be easy for him to kind of pull his weight, but they should just make the decision to play Jordan Love, not because Aaron Rodgers is not as good uh, injured as Jordan Love is healthy, although that may be the case. They went one and six while Aaron Rodgers had that hurt thumb, uh, 20th in adjusted net yards per attempt of that span. That's not great, but uh, they need to know what they have in Jordan Love. Like you mentioned, Luke, they do have to make a decision on the fifth-year option. If they don't, they would end up having to basically franchise him, which I think is a little bit more of a harsh decision. Um, you don't want to be batting 0 for 3 on relationships mm -hmm. with your franchise quarterbacks, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that's something that they have to figure out before they get into an expensive franchise tag situation. They want that fifth-year option gives them a negotiating window to extend him a long term. Um, they also just want to know how good he is because, hey, what if Rodgers, when healthy, is still an elite quarterback? If that's the case, maybe you trade Jordan Love, get in. You probably, if he looks good enough, you get in a first-round pick, maybe a little bit more. Get in um, the picks that you need in order to kind of help supplement Rodgers. You know, as you develop Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, and some of these other players, you know, you might be able to build around, uh, you know, Rodgers in a way that he hadn't had over the past couple of years. And you free up just a little bit of cap space. You don't have to worry about like a $16 million commitment because of a fifth-year option. Uh, and that allows you to kind of retain some of the players because they have an insane cap situation. Obviously, you have to deal with the Rodgers situation, but Bakhtiari is 20 I think he's 29 million in cap space next year. Uh, you know, you've got Aaron Jones, 20 million in cap space. I mean, this is just a really rough situation cap-wise. The reason they couldn't keep Devontae Adams, right? So, uh, you know, there's a couple of reasons that you might want to move Jordan Love. Or, hey, you love Jordan Love a lot. You absolutely would not trade him. Maybe trade Aaron Rodgers, right? If you have the ability to get a first-round pick for him, and he's only got, you know, a couple of years left on his contract, maybe you can get somebody mm -hmm. to take on a good chunk of that cap, right? You know, it kind of really depends on what's happening there. And, you know, I can't think of a better team than the next Vikings opponents, right? You've got the LaFleur-LaFleur connection, right? You've got an amazing team uh, around the Jets, right? You've got, you know, the ability oh, to, to really unlock somebody like Garrett Wilson, right? And, hey, 
Brett Favre was traded to the Jets. Mm. I mean, what mm, better way to, to, to take care of some unfinished business than to win the Super Bowl that Brett Favre couldn't? And then, hey, maybe after that, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> shows up in Minnesota for a second. I don't know. I'm sure you gave us a great breakdown, very detailed answers. All I heard, though, is that you were on with Trey Wingo last night. I, 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 I called Ron Johnson Hollywood. Arif's packing his bags. He's going to he's gonna go to Hollywood here pretty quick. That's unbelievable. Trey Wingo, are you serious? Yeah, he's part of the Pro Football Network. We do podcasts every week. Unbelievable. Man. Unbelievable. Tom, same question. What's your thoughts on the future of the NFC North, and where do the Vikings fit into it? Yeah, I mean, I think they have an opportunity to to be what the Packers were forever, right? I'm not convinced the Packers are done. I know no Vikings fan wants to hear that, but you talk about the Rodgers' thumb injury, the fact that he's been banged up, building chemistry with the young receivers, we think. Um, I also wonder if that defense would be better with a without Joe Barry, right? like with a better defensive mm. coordinator. So um, there's just some variables there where I'm not convinced the, the Packers are done. I think the Lions and Bears are really interesting. I'm glad the Lions have won a little bit more. I want to see Dan Campbell stay there. I think it's interesting coaches in sports. He drinks coffee like a wreath and is looks like he's as jacked as the players he coaches, which is a very scary combination. Um, and just like the emotion you think about when the Vikings beat him last year, I think they dropped 0-5. And, 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 you know, I think he's genuine in his own way and unique, and I'd like him to stay in Detroit. A lot of good points there. Luke, NFC North forecast, and which team's more likely to make the jump? Like, we've been saying this for a decade. Lions, Bears, oh, next year they're going to get better. Which team, given all their players and draft picks, Lions or the Bears, is most likely to make that big jump? Here's the thing. The Bears' future looks bright because they're at rock bottom and there's nowhere to go but up. This is a really dark moment in Chicago. They are in the second year of a rookie quarterback contract. That rookie quarterback does not look good. He can run, and that's it. They have Wrong. no oh. roster to speak of. Wrong. In, in two years, who on the Bears, who is starting right now, do the Bears want to be starting in like two or three years? How many players can you say <laughs> that for that they won't want to? Uh, Roquan's eyes. Damn it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, Khalil Ma- <laughs> Like They got rid of every player. So, Marcus yeah, Robinson. Sure, they're going to have space. Uh, they're going to have access. They're, they're going to have assets. But they have to do everything with their the shopping list is so long <laughs> that it's going to mm-hmm. take a long time to build this Bears team back into something resembling an NFL outfit. And by then, you're going to be off the rookie contract Justin Fields thing. You might be off Justin Fields entirely, and you might be back in the quarterback hell. So mm-hmm. I don't think the Bears' future is – it's a long way off. I think it's going to be a test of faith the next few years for Bears fans. Look at the Lions, on the other hand, and they are, I think, pretty close to the, yeah, the place roster. where the Jets are now where, it, like Arif said, like you get a good quarterback on the Jets, that's a contender, and I feel like the Lions are one year away from that. But I cannot believe in them until they upgrade on Jared Goff, and I'm also a little bit worried that they're building something – but the NFL doesn't have enough patience to have like four win teams two years in a row. And Mm -hmm. does Dan Campbell survive this as as popular of a figure as he is? And then are you just going to a new head coach and resetting things and the guy's going to want to bring in his own guys and all that stuff. Um, And I I, I think the Packers have to get worse before they get better because of those uh, cap constraints because of Aaron Rodgers. I think the, the saving grace for the Packers, the Packers can have a bright future if Jordan Love is their guy and, and they're Mm -hmm. right about that. Um, I have to see more before I see that, but I mean, it's, it's when you look at the way Aaron Rodgers came in, you know, he didn't play till year four and it's year three for Jordan love. So like, sure. I, I get that's like how that organization wants to do things, 
but mm-hmm. unless Jordan Love is the second coming of Aaron Rodgers, it is it's going to get real dark in Green Bay as well. And that's not even saying <laughs> the Vikings have like the brightest future in the world. Like everybody said, they've got older players, expensive players and stuff, but I think they just have so much less work to do than a team like the Bears because they have guys like Derisaw, O'Neal, Justin Jefferson, guys that in 2025 you hope are still on the Vikings. The Bears feel like they're in the same spot as the Texans. <laughs> just tell us how you really feel though I, like you're holding I have back no respect for teams here. that that tank <laughs> i have no respect for teams that have no Luke, interest in winning the season the bears Luke, threw away a Luke season Luke, they Luke, deserve okay, to get okay. i just i just i just want to be clear that the bears do have good players that they will want to hold on long term and some players that are interesting right like chase claypool is interesting we'll see what that turns into but yeah i mean they're going to want to hold on to kyle Gordon and jaquan brisker right i mean interesting right he mm-hmm. could be good they traded for him. He could be good. One time right? I made somebody dinner and they called it interesting. I didn't feel very good about it. <laughs> yeah, well, if, if Chase Claypool is your only answer at receiver, that's interesting. You don't that's feel good. good about it, right? But it could end up turning into a pretty good player. Who knows what happens in a new environment for him? Maybe he's Chris Carter. Who knows, right? Mm. But, but uh, like I'm that's the fair. thing you have to talk yourself into, though. Like, ah, maybe these guys will be better, will be better than we no, I, think. Okay, they are. no, you you focused on the word interesting. I was going to talk about some more players, right? Like David Montgomery is a dude, right? Jaquan Brisker mm-hmm. is really good, right? Already yeah. as a rookie. I mean, he's injured right now, but when he was playing, mm-hmm. he was really good. You know, you've got something with Jalen Johnson. You've got something with Kyler Gordon, right? I mean, there are players that they can build around. And in fact, hey, Braxton Jones playing better than any fifth round rookie tackle has any right to play, right? It's um, crazy. The fact yeah. that they have yeah. figured out that, you know, maybe they can hold on to Tevin Jenkins and actually play him. I don't know what the hell is going on there, but he's actually doing all right at guard. So there are players that they can hold on to. And I think Justin Fields has played really well the last four starts that he's had really well, not just running the ball, also throwing it. Although when he can't run, his throwing is not that great. Um, But I think that his development uh, from like game 17 to game 18 has been fantastic. And that's something that you have the ability to build around. Now, if Justin Fields was on the Lions, the Lions would be contending right now. That would be Mm. Mm. a very interesting situation yeah yeah that would be fun to think about yeah all i know is they they got about a two-year window before velas jones starts thinking about retiring but uh, y'all make great points i just think it's something when you look at all four of these rosters let's not forget kari blasting in yeah they have a bright great name drop great name drop uh I, i just think again when you when you look at all four of these rosters something that i know we've been saying for years so i get it like luke pump the brakes but we'll believe it when we see it kind of thing but it just feels like this division could get shaken up and this next year or two we'll look back and say that was kind of the turning point there that's just my two cents on it all right let's uh rifle through these gambling picks here quick update at the board no picks last week due to thanksgiving so week 11 I went 2-0, jumped into first place with 7-0-7, had the Titans plus three versus the Packers on Thursday Night Football, and the Pats Jets under. Luke Braun, you went 1-1. One one. The Bills-Browns over saved you. Remember, Sam gave you a bunch of heat because at the time, it was supposed to be a blizzard, and then literally hours after we picked, it was very we clearly going to move to a dome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Braun, you're now at 487. Arif, you went 0-2, but you went table minimum. Eagles to cover 6.5 versus the Colts, and 
and the Ravens Panthers over. You're now at 287. And Sam Ekstrom absolutely collapsed. He went on tilt going from first to worst with that monster max bet on the Vikings versus Dallas. Luckily, he won his second bet, Bengals Steelers over 42, but that was only 300 bucks. Sam now 684 in the hole. I've got Sam's picks with me. He sent the order. It starts with me, then a reef. Braun, and then Sam. So I'll go first here real quick. I've been riding the Titans quite a bit. Looks like they're getting five points in Philly. I'm going to take that one at minus 115. I'm going to stick with my normal $250 bet. So I'll write that one down. Arif, then Braun, and then Sam. Go ahead. Man, uh, I uh, I don't like betting on the Vikings just because it, it just it adds something, a little bit more stress <laughs> to a game that's already stressed with the cover. Um, but minus three? Against Mike White, I talked to yeah. Mike White in the last show, and I am—I'm uh, wrong. Screw that. <laughs> no, wait, <laughs> minus three. Clip it. That's ridiculous. I'll take—I'll take the Vikings minus three uh, at minus one hundred seven. Um, I am no longer in first place, so a super conservative strategy is not going to work out for me. But I'm not going to go too hard. Uh, I'm going to go uh, two hundred dollars on that one. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Dolphins plus four. <clears throat> Minus 110. Love I'll it. Bet the minimum is staying conservative. Dolphins plus right. four. Minus 110. Table minimum is 130. I've got Sam's first pick yeah. here. He wants Ravens minus nine and a half. And check this out. He's doubling down. He's going $1,000 bets on both these picks. Ravens minus nine and a half. Lock it in. And then he comes back with his over under. His first over under. Commanders, Giants under 40 and a half. Again, thousand bucks. I'll figure out what the odds are at. Uh, back to you, Bron. Over under. Oh, I hate all of these. Um, Good. I guess Pittsburgh kind of showed us something, and Atlanta can still score. Over under in that game is forty-two. That's a pretty low one, and I feel like there's enough outcomes where, as dumb as those offenses are, they can find forty-two points. So I'll take that over forty-two. Steelers Falcons minus one eleven. I'll keep that at the minimum. Love it. Arif, over under? Not often you get sniped in these, but I did just get sniped on that. Ooh, he liked it. Uh, uh, yeah, so, wow. uh, you know, once again, hope I'm wrong. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, my, my, <laughs> my remaining over unders on this are, are at, at, at two ends of the spectrum. One is a pretty high under I want to take, one's a pretty low under I want to take. Um, let's go with the high under because cheering for like a zero point game sucks. Uh, Chargers Raiders. Uh, this is uh, basically a, a pick 'em game. Uh, the over under is at fifty one, uh, and mm. uh, I I can see where all the points are coming from. Uh, I don't respect the Chargers defense very much, but this is I think just a lot to me. I think that um, both teams will be able to play. I think a little bit tighter. I mean, just these divisional games, especially in the AFC West, have been ridiculously tight, and I think that that means. Less of a shootout and more of a of a grind. So I'll take under fifty one minus one fifteen again two hundred dollars. Love it, uh, Jamar Chase coming back. We got a, a rematch of the AFC Championship: Chiefs Bengals. Highest mm -hmm. over under on the board fifty three, and I'm taking the over. I love it. <laughs> Plus, or what do we got here? Minus one ten over fifty three in Cincinnati. Two hundred fifty dollar bet. Lock it up. There you go. Those are our picks for the week. Good luck, everybody. Let's, uh, as we wrap up here, just final thoughts here. Give me one key to the game, your biggest key to the game this Sunday for the Vikings against the stingy Jets team. Luke, start with you. The Vikings need to 
shore things up over the middle. They need their safeties to play a little more aggressively. Mike White doesn't have the arm strength to punish things, so I, I don't need to see cornerbacks playing 15 yards off and giving up nine-yard receptions. There's my key. Cornerbacks need to uh, play it aggressive and go beat guys. Is that an Ed Donatel thing, or is that like Zimmer kind of gave personal preference to do whatever you want to kind of do? Or is Harrison it a little Smith bit plays with like 12 yards as a safety. Like Harrison Smith plays it like a psycho. Cam Bynum plays on the roof. <laughs> yeah. It's it's player to player. Um, you know, so Caleb Evans plays more zone coverage. Yeah, I just watch did a lot. Yeah, great breakdown break of zone coverage. coverage. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. yeah, and sometimes it's just a, a quirk of that coverage for reasons. The coverage needs one guy in press and one guy off, and then they'll pick on the guy who's off. So some of that is there, but when you are in off coverage, how far off you are is sort of a matter of like comfort. Mm-hmm. Love it, Tom. What you got? Biggest key to the game. One key to the game. Vikings Jets. Did they, they solve the the pressure issue between the Dallas and the Patriots game? Obviously, they did in the Patriots game, but I think. Yeah, the Jets will exploit it if they didn't. So Will Cousins have enough time to find his receivers, namely Justin Jefferson. Arif, give me one key to the game for the Vikings. Uh, it should score more points than the Jets uh, in the win. <laughs> I oh, boo. <laughs> well, it's just I, I, I don't like most keys to the game because they're basically like, win the turnover battle. Yeah, you think? get it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, with... Uh, I, I think we can Tom did a good Pretend job I'm Trey that. Wingo. So Be serious. Pretend yeah. I'm actually like a guy. <laughs> no, I, I, I think the key here is, uh, you know, basically what Tom said is to, to kind of win in the trenches. I think here also on the other side of things is that, you know, the one thing that Mike White is really good at is distributing the ball really quickly and doing well when he has a clean pocket of finding the guys that he needs to find and throwing with anticipation. But he collapses under pressure, absolutely collapses under pressure, has almost no experience with pressure uh, at Western Kentucky or at South Florida. Uh, and so this is one where the Vikings absolutely need to uh, just ram in the pressure. I mean, whether it comes with blitzes or four-man pressures, whatever, um, they need to make sure that they can win Sedarius Smith. Hey, did I say something funny? Is that something that, that you want to talk about? This is a family show, guys. It's a family show. Uh, uh, you know, whether, whether or not it's uh, it's whether or not it's using Sedarius Smith as a spinner, whether or not it's using uh, four-man pressures or blitzes, they need to find a way to disrupt the pocket, penetrate the pocket. No, look. Really. Yep. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. I, I just look back serious. at that Patriot I game. I, I see a similar blueprint, Patriots game, Jets game, squaring off versus an elite defense, semi-struggling offense, at least up until last week. And just like the Pats game, I'm not sure the Vikings win that without winning the special teams battle. Even with that missed extra point, Vikings got the edge thanks to Kenny's kickoff TD and some great field position flipping from Ryan Wright too. And I'm not saying they need a special team score again, but I think this game is a lot more like what we thought the Patriots game would be, a more low-scoring affair. We know the Vikings are just incapable of winning a game by more than one score. That means every point counts, every punt matters, every special teams coverage needs to be sharp. If the Vikings want to win this game, I think they need to win the edge in special teams play. And outside of those missed extra points, which I'm not diminishing at all, but Matt Daniels, I think, has done a really solid job this year in every other department. All right, guys, 
That's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every Monday and Thursday with your one-hour breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. We're a podcast, too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it, we got it. Subscribe, drop us a five-star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Tom Schreier. Check out all the great work they're doing over there at zonecoverage.com. Follow them on Twitter at tschreier3. Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL. Luke Braun, check out his postcast immediately following the Vikings game Sunday. He's on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to the producer, Matt DeBritz. We're back Monday with another episode episode of the football party part of locked on sports minnesota for tommy arif the two lukes until monday enjoy the game skull vikes signing out Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.